The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Now we're talking. Yeah. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's the Mike Broomhead Show. I'm Barry Markson filling in. Thanks for joining us. Uh, big, big news day today. Coming out of the Congress uh, yesterday, the January 6th committee held its final hearing. Uh, and uh, really kind of a bombshell. I mean, we knew what was going to happen right beforehand. But uh, it, it was... Um these hearings, if you actually watch the hearings and the evidence that's presented, uh, and I know a lot of people uh, don't do that for whatever the reason is. I know a lot of folks have been encouraged not to watch it. and uh, But I will tell you, uh, especially speaking just as an attorney, the evidence that's presented uh, is is overwhelming and very, very compelling. And uh, what they did yesterday for the first time in U.S. history uh, is do criminal referrals of a former president to the Justice Department. And I know if, if you're a Trump guy or if you're, you know, on certain side of the political aisle, you're going to say, "Well, it's political. It's a, uh, a Democratic committee." Well, it wasn't entirely Democratic. There are two Republicans on it, but I know you're going to say, "Well, they're anti-Trump Republicans," and I, I guess you're right. Uh, but these were not anti-Trump or never-Trump Republicans before January 6th. Uh, they both voted with the president overwhelmingly. Uh, Liz Cheney voted with Trump more than uh, than Kevin McCarthy, who's set to be Speaker of the House. Um, these were Trump people. Uh, these were Trump supporters. Uh, Trump. Uh, Trump they, these were folks who liked Trump and liked his policies. And it wasn't until his actions, the, the former president's actions on January 6th, that that changed. And, you know, I, I know for a lot of us, uh, politics has become tribal. It's become something where you're on this team or that team. And, and if you do something to my team, then I'm then you're my enemy. And, and that's really where we are right now. Um, and it's unfortunate. And I've, I've been saying for a long time, even if you're a Trump person, even if you're an Obama person, uh, you have to be able to look at your guy uh, or gal and say, I agree with a lot of what this person does. I support this person. But this I disagree with. And there's nothing wrong with that. We, we don't all need to be in lockstep. You can say, uh, I, I thought a lot of the policies President Trump uh, supported and, and got behind and, and, and got vote and got approved uh, were good. Uh, you can say, I think his tax cut was great. I mean, you can find whatever you want to say that these things are good. And at the same time, say what President Trump, uh, former President Trump did on January 6th was just wrong. And and that's uh, that's what I think Liz Cheney did. That's what others did. I, I know I'm not going to convince anybody here today, but um, if you actually watch these hearings as I did, um, the, the evidence presented, I'm not talking about the presentation or anything. I'm saying the evidence presented, which was almost entirely testimony. They, they did a thousand interviews. And what we saw was testimony from Trump's people. These were not uh, Democrats or never Trumpers. These were Trump people in his White House, his inner circle, the people that were in the Oval Office with him. That's who testified. It was the, it was the, House, uh, the White House counsel and deputy councils. Uh, it was the, uh, the Trump campaign uh, uh the campaign manager and all of the Trump underlings in the campaign. Um, it was uh, it was people in his political office, his secretary, his chief of staff's office, uh, in his budget office. It was people who deal with Trump on a day to day basis, saying this is what I saw on January sixth or in the weeks leading up to January sixth. That it was incredible. And what you saw, what the evidence overwhelmingly showed, uh, was that Trump was working with others to overturn the will and the election uh, of Joe Biden, uh, the the will of the people. It was it was literally what he was doing. He wanted to stay in power, 
And I don't know. I don't know what the motivation was. I don't know if it's if the narcissism is so much he can't imagine he lost. I, I don't know what it was. Uh, but he was taking steps uh, in order to create chaos or to create an avenue, a pathway for him to stay in office, even though he lost. That's it. That's exactly what was going on. And what happened on January 6th was designed to keep Congress from certifying the vote of the states in the presidential election. That's what it was. And the evidence was unbelievably clear. I mean, he was all over the vice president, Mike Pence, uh, telling him not to certify because Pence was going to uh, oversee that hearing. Uh, And Pence finally said, I'm not going to I'm not going to abide by what you're saying. I can't do it constitutionally. I can't do it. And he went and to do to do his job. Um, He was all over Republican congressmen and senators to get them to vote against it. And several of them, in fact, did vote against it. And he sent that that mob to the Capitol uh, either to persuade uh, others to vote against it or to create so much chaos that they were unable to vote that day to certify the election for president. And that's why it was so important after the, the riot, after the insurrection, after all that was cleared out, it was so important for the senators and the, and the congressmen from both sides to go back and say, we are going to do our job. Uh, Vice President Pence never left the Capitol grounds. Uh, the majority minority leaders never left the Capitol grounds. They were going to come back and do their job. And they did it. And they did it that day in the middle of the night, but they got it done and certified that election despite everything that Trump and his minions did. Uh, and I will tell you, if you want to call yourself a patriot or an American or anything else, we don't stand for that. We don't. I don't care what party you're in. If, if, Ob- if Obama did the same thing, I'd be here saying the exact same thing. There is nothing more important in our country than the vote of the people. That is what keeps us going. That is why we've been here for almost 250 years. It's the, we honor the vote of our, of our people, and we have a peaceful transition of power. It's the thing that I, I used to take it for granted. I, I really did. I used to think that we would never have uh, here in the United States what we see in other countries, uh, people who lose elections and stay in power, people who manipulate laws so that they can, uh, although they may have been elected once, they become dictators. I thought we'd never see that here in the United States. I used to look at, at Germany uh, in the 1930s and how it, how it became what we now call Nazi Germany. And I used to, I literally would think to myself, how did that happen? Germany was a democratic country. They had votes, they had elections. How did this happen? And I would look at it and I studied it because it was fascinating to me. And I, I always thought that couldn't happen here. And we saw it. We saw an attempt for that to happen here in, in the United States. And that's what the January 6th committee was looking at. And you can call it partisan and political and it's a, it's a hit job, whatever you want to call it. But the evidence was overwhelming. And what came out yesterday uh, was that committee uh, giving a roadmap to the Justice Department of here's the evidence. And not only is it what we found, not only is it uh, is here's the, all the sworn testimony we have, but we've presented some of this evidence in court when we were trying to get people to testify and other things. And judges have ordered in their orders have said that Trump and and Giuliani, a Trump and a John Eastman, uh, an attorney who was advising the, Trump. That these people, the judges have said this, that the, that this, that their felonies were committed here. And the, what the, what the committee did was refer this to the Justice Department and say, we're gonna, we're, we're requesting that you file, that you look at this, and if you find it, 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 there's enough basis here to file the criminal charges. And it's interesting to me, uh, some people are coming out now, the Wall Street Journal editorial page, which is a very Republican and generally pro-Trump editorial page, um, came out, they did not say that there isn't sufficient evidence, uh, to prosecute and convict Trump. But what they said was, if the Justice Department does that, it'll be so divisive, it will hurt the country. And that's a discussion to be had. But 
even Republicans, even Trump supporters are are not are not objecting that or saying that the evidence isn't clear that laws are violated. Uh, there, nobody's saying that. It's it's incredibly clear right now. If you open your eyes and just look at a little bit of this, what you'll see is a former president uh, who was breaking laws and trying to remain in power despite the election in the United States. We can't have it. I don't care which side you're on. We can't have that. Coming up. Uh, a little more bad news for Trump. I mean, this is uh, we've been waiting for seven years. Uh, we've been waiting for seven years to see something. Uh, and it looks like this week we're going to get it. Uh, I'll tell you what it is next. Stay with us. Barry Marks and in for Broomhead. It's KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News. 92.3 FM and the KTAR News. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Walking home from our house Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa. Yeah. But as for me and Grandpa, we believe. She'd been drinking too much eggnog. <laughs> I like the song. All right, welcome back, everybody. And we begged her not to go. It's the Mike Broomhead Show. I'm Barry Marks, and thanks for joining us here on KTAR. Uh, boy, oh boy. You remember back, uh, I think I'm going back seven years now. Uh, <laughs> it was when uh, Donald Trump was a candidate for president in 2016. You remember about this. And uh, historically, presidential candidates had released their tax returns. It was just something that was expected. It's not required by law. There's no law that says a presidential candidate has to release their tax returns. Uh, but every candidate had. <laughs> it, just had it had just become an expected part of running for president. And Trump didn't deny that. Uh, he said at the time, and I'm quoting, um, I, I, this is a quote. I have very big returns, as you know, and I have everything all approved and very beautiful and will be working that over in the next period of time. Um, at that time, adding uh, this is not like a normal tax return. Basically, Trump was saying, I'm going to uh, you know, first. He said they were big and we're putting it together and we're going to release my tax returns. And he never did it. Then it became I'm not going to release it because I'm under audit. Uh, and I'll, as soon as the audit's finished, then I'll release the tax returns. Well, he never did it. Uh, he didn't do it before he won. He didn't do it after he won. He didn't do it during four years uh, of being in the presidency, and he hasn't done it in two years since. Uh, but uh, in several court cases, uh, the the House of Representatives, the Ways and Means Commission uh, Committee in the House, uh, had subpoenaed those records. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court now finally has ruled uh, that there is nothing blocking uh, the, just, uh, the Treasury Department from giving the tax returns to Ways and Means. And Ways and Means is going to vote today on whether to release release Trump's tax returns to the public. I expect they will. So uh, we uh, we may very well soon uh, this week uh, get a glimpse into six years of President Trump, uh, former President Trump's tax returns, see what's going on in there. And I don't know how much is this going to show us or, or how, how much detail is going to be in here. Uh, I assume it's all of it. Uh, I, I've always thought, I don't know this, this is my opinion, I've always thought uh, Trump's objection to this uh, isn't so much a privacy issue. I mean, this is a guy who talks about his wealth and his money all the time uh, from before being president, right? He always wanted to be high up on the four list of the richest people in the world, and uh, he was always talking about this. I think he's hiding it because he's not as rich as he's been making out. Uh, I remember years ago, Forbes had him with, I don't know how many billions of dollars, and, and Trump sued Forbes saying, no, he had more. <laughs> I mean, he said he should be higher up on the list. So I, I think, and I don't know this, this is my speculation, I think that Trump has been hiding his tax returns because he doesn't make the money uh, and doesn't have the wealth that he makes out, uh, that he makes it out that he has. And I think this uh, this could be somewhat embarrassing to him. Is the guy still loaded? Yeah. 
<laughs> I think he is. Uh, the other issue I think it might that he may be trying to hide is uh, that he doesn't pay a lot of taxes. We've seen some uh, of his tax returns over the years when he was president. The, the, I think the, time, the New York Times or somebody got a hold of that. And it showed somebody who didn't pay a lot of taxes even when money came in. And look, I don't begrudge anybody that. As long as you follow the law, as long as you're not breaking the law and, and you're paying the taxes you're legally required to pay, uh, I don't have a problem with it. Other people may, uh, but that's what a lot of wealthy people do is they hire all sorts of lawyers and accountants to figure out how to pay less taxes. Uh, they do investments in a manner that require less tax payment if the investment is successful. So this isn't an unusual thing by any means, uh, but, I, but getting the release of a, and even getting the release of a presidential tax return isn't unusual. We've seen all the president's tax returns except Trump. Uh, But I expect the Ways and Means Committee today to vote to release those records. And by tomorrow or sometime this week, we may be, uh, we may have a good review of Trump's tax returns and a pretty good idea of how much money he makes, what he has, and what taxes he plays. And I think the other thing, by the way, that he, he doesn't want us to see is how much money he gives to charity. That may be the other part is what his charitable deductions are. So we'll see where that goes as well. All right, coming up, uh, big news here in Arizona. Uh, there were four election lawsuits that were pending. Two have been dismissed. Uh, a big news in the Carrie Lake lawsuit regarding her run for governor. Uh, on, as soon as we get back, we'll give you the update on what happened there. Uh, I'll give you the teaser. The judge dismissed 80% of her lawsuit, uh, but 20% remains. We'll tell you the details and what's going to happen next. I'm Barry Markson in for Broomhead. It's KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Back everybody, it's the Mike Broomhead Show. I'm Barry Markson, and thanks for being here. Big news in Arizona: our election, the never-ending election of 2022, uh, continues on. Uh, we've had four lawsuits filed. Uh, one, uh, <laughs> one was filed by a guy named Sonny Borelli. He's a he's a state senator, um, and. <laughs> the lawsuit was so bad. Uh, how bad was it? It was so bad uh, that when they went to the first hearing uh, to set a scheduling conference, the judge noticed that some of the defendants named in the lawsuit weren't there and learned that the plaintiff had not served the lawsuit on the defendants, uh, which, by the way, is step one in a lawsuit. You have to give notice to the defendants. You have to tell them they've been sued. And... Uh, <laughs> so the judge said, what exactly is it you want me to do here? Because uh, there wasn't anything they could do, and the, and the case was uh, was dismissed uh, on the spot. Uh, the next lawsuit was filed uh, by Mark Fincham. Uh, uh, Mark Fincham uh, is, uh, well, you, you, what can I tell you about Mark Fincham that you don't already know? But Mark Fincham lost by over 125,000 votes. Uh, it just a huge, huge loss in what should have been a Republican year for Secretary of State. And filed a lawsuit anyway. Um, I guess in an attempt to stay relevant and to continue to raise money. And uh, that lawsuit uh, has also been dismissed uh, almost immediately. There was a motion to dismiss and a hearing on that, oral argument on that, and the judge dismissed Mark Fincham's lawsuit uh, in its entirety and invited the defendants uh, to request sanctions against Fincham. So we'll see how that plays out as far as the sanctions go. The remaining two suits are Abe Hamaday. Uh, he's a Republican who ran for attorney general. Uh, he lost as well, but he lost by 511 votes. Uh, he's filed a lawsuit. And the first line of Abe Hamadi's lawsuit, by the way, says we are not alleging fraud, um, uh, manipulation or intentional wrongdoing. 
in this election, uh, which is the opposite of what Kerry Lake alleged. So that was interesting. But uh, Hamaday's lawsuit, the motions to dismiss in that case, uh, the oral argument was heard yesterday. And the judge in Mojave County uh, told us that he will issue that decision by two o'clock today. So stay tuned for KTAR and we will have uh, we will have the results of that motion to dismiss uh, whether or not the motion will be granted. And if not, uh, what the next schedule is for Hamaday. And then, of course, the big one for Governor Kerry Lake filed a 70 page lawsuit with 10 separate claims. Uh, causes of action that she said uh, required the court to simply name her as the governor of Arizona or to order the county to redo Maricopa County, to redo the entire election. which doesn't the, that remedy in Arizona doesn't exist. So uh, the judge heard oral argument on motions to dismiss uh, Carrie Lake's lawsuit yesterday, and then late yesterday issued an order, and the order uh, dismissed eight of the ten claims brought by Carrie Lake. So that's where we are right now. Eighty percent of that uh, of the lawsuit is gone, and there are only two claims remaining. And I want to talk to you about those two claims and where our next steps are. Uh, so the first claim is count two that remained. By the way, all of the other claims the judge went through. Uh, ex- ex- the evidence that was presented in the argument and then said they must, that claim must be dismissed and then did. So count two uh, from Kerry Lake, uh, it, it, it involved the printers and we're all aware of the printer issue in Maricopa County that the printers weren't printing uh, the ballots uh, that were printed as each person arrived uh, with uh, enough darkness or whatever that was boldness that was going on. So some of those ballots uh, could not be read by the mini tabulators that were at the vote centers. People whose ballot was not read at the vote center uh, were, could put it into a, a box, box three, that was secure and then was counted later. Uh, regardless, uh, so Carrie Lake alleged illegal tabulator configurations uh, and basically alleges that the that Maricopa County uh, that Maricopa County intentionally did something that it was a conspiracy. That Maricopa County uh, did something with these printers on purpose uh, in order to cause her to lose the election. Uh, And I won't bother you or bore you with all of the the detail here, but what the judge said, he did not find uh, that there was any validity to the evidence that Carrie Lake uh, had presented thus far. What he found was that the way the question was framed uh, created what's called a material issue of fact, and that's a whole legal thing, but if you do that, if the judge judge finds there's a material issue of fact, that there's a fact that has not been pled outright or has not been decided or or has not been fully, uh, fully uh, looked into, uh, there's a disagreement about a fact, uh, then the judge can can say, well, we need a little bit more on that before I can rule as a matter of law, before I can just dismiss this lawsuit on its face. So on count two, uh, the judge allowed that count to continue. He didn't dismiss it yet. He did not. I'm, I'm seeing stuff online. I want to make sure everybody understands. The judge did not find merit to the claim. The, the judge did not look at Carrie Lake's evidence that was in the complaint and say, I think that's it's more likely than not she's going to prevail, or I think that's good. He didn't say anything like that. In fact, he said the contrary. But what the judge is saying is that Carrie Lake can move forward uh, with this, with count two, and, and I'll tell you about count four in just a moment. And in count two, she has to prove, and, and the, she has the burden of proof, and Carrie Lake has to prove to the court that Maricopa County intentionally modified and, and acted with misconduct, modified the printer's in such a way uh, to cause these issues that it did it intentionally with a plan to harm Carrie Lake's ability to become governor. And if it can prove all of that intentionality, that all of that occurred on purpose, that it was a conspiracy uh, to change the printers and cause this issue and see into the future that if that if the printers worked this way and some of the ballots couldn't be read by the tabulators and some people acted a certain way, or did, if all of that can be proven, 
Then they also have to prove that that resulted in Kerry Lake losing the election. Uh, that, in other words, it changed the outcome of the election, even if you can prove all of that occurred. Almost impossible to get there. I don't know how you prove that, to be frank with you. So that's count two. Count four uh, deals with another, uh, this is another big conspiracy claim brought by Lake and some of her supporters uh, about chain of custody. And what happens in Maricopa County is when we vote uh, when we vote uh, by mail, the ballots are in those envelopes. You know what I'm talking about. And you sign the outside of the envelope. And Maricopa County has a vendor that ta- that Maricopa County brings you know truckloads of these ballots to this vendor. The ball- the envelopes are not opened, and the vendor scans the outside of the envelope, scans the signatures, so that that information can be checked by computers, and it's a part of the signature verification process. As those ballots are brought over there, there are Republican and Democratic observers each way. They're looking at the ballots. They're watching this. What Carrie Lake's people allege, and Carrie Lake alleges, uh, is that this company, this outside vendor, uh, it's called Runbeck, that their employees added some number of ballots. <laughs> Though they're saying that this outside company on their own and in, a, in this in this giant conspiracy added more ballots than were dropped off uh, and that the chain of custody wasn't kept, that there wasn't that Maricopa County did not maintain control of the ballots. By the way, all of this is done. Maricopa County will tell you it's all done pursuant to the county election manual. These are all normal things. This isn't something that's unusual or different than how it's normally done. Um, but that this ballot contractor added balance of, of family members uh, and that as a result of that, it changed the election. That Maricopa, Basically, what they're saying is that uh, when Maricopa County figured out that Kerry Lake was going to have enough votes to win, they added through this run back, either with Maricopa County or otherwise, added enough ballots so that she would lose. So what the court has said is you have to prove that (laughs) uh, with with evidence, with actual evidence. You have to prove that that occurred. You have to prove it was intentional, that this was done. This was done intentionally. And you have to prove uh, that if all that giant conspiracy actually occurred, you have to prove that they put enough ballots in to change the outcome of the election. And I'm pausing there on purpose so that you understand how ridiculous this sounds. So that's what this little trial will be. So the judge has ordered that there's going to be a two-day trial. It's going to start tomorrow on Wednesday. There's going to be a two-day trial. Each side is going to have five and a half hours to present their case. That includes opening statements, closing arguments, witness testimony, cross-examination, everything. Each side gets an equal amount of time. That's that's normal in lawsuits. Um, and Carrie Lake is going to get to put on her evidence. Uh, the judge also is going to allow Carrie Lake to question as witnesses. Uh, Katie Hobbs as Secretary of State in her capacity as Secretary of State. She's not going to get to ask any crazy questions she wants to ask. Uh, it is going to be specifically related to these issues. And also the other big witness is Stephen Risher, the Maricopa County uh, uh, County Recorder, who is a Republican. Um, Stephen Risher, I will just tell you, he was originally subpoenaed for this so-called trial uh, because of uh, First Amendment issues, which were dismissed by the, case, by, the, by the court. And somehow the judge is allowing him to still testify here. But again, my my assumption is, my guess is, uh, these questions, will the testimony will be limited to just the two issues, the two counts that remain. So that's going to occur over Wednesday and Thursday uh, here in Maricopa County. Uh, and here's here's the good outcome from this. Uh, 80% of Kerry Lake's election lawsuit is gone. It's dismissed. Uh, but we get to see this evidence. So what we've been hearing from Kerry Lake is a series of conspiracy theories. Eight of the ten of them, the judge said, this is so ridiculous I can't even do it. But on these last two, you've asked the question in such a way that I think there's a material issue of fact. I'm going to let you prove this to me uh, under the under, uh, and to satisfy your burden of proof. And we get to see it. 
So it's kind of a put up or shut up thing. And I'm curious to see Carrie Lake's evidence of these conspiracies that this was intentionally done to, to rob her, to steal the election from her. I'm, my hope is after this little trial is completed and the judge rules that Carrie Lake and her supporters and everybody else will accept the court's ruling and say, OK, we had our day in court. We lost. We didn't have the evidence. We'll see. Uh, but I'm guessing that's not really going to happen. But we'll hope. All right. On the other side, uh, we're going to talk about a change down at Sky Harbor Airport. It's the holiday season. A lot of folks uh, either heading out of town to travel or having family come in town. This is a significant upgrade at Sky Harbor Airport. We're going to tell you about it next. I'm Barry Markson. Stay with us. It's KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News. 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, welcome back, everybody. Candles gleaming. It's the Mike Broomhead Show. I'm Barry Markson, uh, filling in. Hope you're having a great holiday season. Happy Hanukkah to everybody, and also uh, Merry Christmas. Coming up here very quickly. Hey, uh, this is great news. Uh, if you live here in the Valley, if you have people visiting for this holiday season, um, if you ever have a friend or relative or somebody come to visit you, uh, and they went to rent a car, you have undoubtedly heard about how awful, <laughs> how awful it is to rent a car uh, out of Sky Harbor Airport. It used to be good. It used to be the, the cars are right there at the grounds and you'd walk over and you'd get your car. But like a lot of airports, the volume became too big and they moved the rental car center uh, kind of further away. They did that here in Arizona, too. The rental car center itself is very nice. It's big. It's clean. It's uh, it's uh, very efficient once you get there. But to get there, you had to get on a shuttle bus from Sky Harbor Airport. The buses only showed up every 7 to 13 minutes. Then you had to ride through traffic, uh, and however long that took you to get over to, to the rental car center. It, and then you, once you got there, of course, there's more lines and everything else. So I heard it uh, from people regularly. It got to where we were telling people, look, we'll pick you up or just um, and I don't like picking people up at the airport or just take an Uber uh, to where you're going, and then you can rent a car in town. You know, if you're going to Phoenix or Scottsdale or Mesa, wherever you're going, uh, there's rental car offices all over the place. Just do that. It was that difficult. Well, good news. Uh, Sky Harbor has just opened the Sky Train uh, f- uh, from the from terminals three and four all the way out to the rental car center. What a difference this is going to make. It's going to be amazing. Uh, so and this starts today. Uh, literally today is the first day this is happening. Uh, and now to go from Terminal 3 to the rental car center, it's six minutes. From Terminal 4, it's about eight minutes. There's no more traffic. The the trains come uh, every three minutes. Uh, so you're not going to have to wait long for a train. It's uh, This is a great system. And the SkyTrain, if you haven't heard of it, that's what takes you out to, uh, for example, economy parking and from one terminal to the other. All of this is now set up and, and going a lot smoother. So great. Great news uh, if you're uh, if you're well we're local we probably aren't renting cars at the airport all that often but for our friends and family that are uh, this is really really great news I'm happy to see this uh, by the way this thing is it's obviously so expensive seven hundred and forty five million dollars to put this this extension in place wow seven hundred and forty five million dollars it's part of a one point seven billion dollars worth of upgrades uh, that Phoenix is paying at the airport I have to tell you. I have flown a bit lately, and the airport is nice. I mean, Terminal 4, they've added uh, a new area there, a new concourse. Uh, they've added, uh, they're in the process of adding a bunch of new great restaurants that are going to be there, including an outdoor area for, for eating. Um, the, it's beautiful, uh, in this, in the new area, and much of Terminal 4 is very, is really quite nice. And then I flew out of Terminal 3 recently. I had to fly back east, uh, for a funeral, and I, I flew, uh, out of Terminal 3. And I have to tell you, Terminal 3 is fantastic. 
Uh, it's it's brand, everything's brand new. Uh, lots of great new restaurants and things in there too. Uh, easy to get around and just gorgeous. <laughs> I was I hadn't been in there in a while, um, and the last time I was, it was it was not gorgeous to say the least. It was old and kind of worn out a little bit. Uh, but we now have two very new modern uh, airports. We have some of the best restaurants and airports in the country. You know, I don't think Phoenix gets its fair due. Um, they've done such a great job of bringing local restaurant concepts into the airport restaurants that are own locally that we know that we love uh, and they're they're running their those restaurants are being run out of the airport and it's great it's just great options for everybody so I've I've been very impressed with the airport lately it's still not fun I'm not saying it's a great thing uh, but uh, to go to the airport it's still difficult with security and everything else uh, but at least in Phoenix um, boy it's it's a pleasure to fly in and out of Phoenix compared to a lot of other airports around the country I flew into Miami uh, at one point again that funeral and um, I will tell you it was it's so big and it's just it's it's almost like a house where they just keep adding on to the house so you wherever you your gate is you just I felt like I walked for two miles just to get to where I could get a car and get out of the airport it was incredible um, it, it it makes you really appreciate Sky Harbor Airport and what we have here in Phoenix. It really is kind of an amazing thing. All right, coming up right after the news at 10, Jeff Mund is uh, here. He's going to give you an update in just a moment. Uh, and then we're going to get into uh, the Supreme Court's ruling yesterday. Uh, you've been hearing about it here on KTAR. It was a temporary stay issued by Chief Justice Roberts on Title 42. And you know what Title 42 is. That was uh, That's what they put in place during COVID uh, to keep uh, people seeking amnesty, to keep them from waiting in the United States because of health reasons. It was set to expire tomorrow, uh, actually at midnight tonight. Justice Roberts, uh, following a request from 19 states, including Arizona, uh, stayed that. Uh, I'll give you some detail what's going to happen next and let you know where that's likely to go uh, and whether Title 42 may remain in place, uh, which a lot of people who think might, might be a better thing for Arizona and for the country. So we'll have that coming up for you in just a few minutes. Also coming up, uh, we're going to give you a report about the Suns, more more information about the toxic work environment there. It wasn't just Robert Sarver, according to the latest report. So stay with us. News is next. I'm Barry Markson. It's KTAR.